Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. And on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about choosing the best markets for your real estate investment. You see, my sixth rule of successful real estate investing is to take a top-down approach. And what that simply means is that you start by selecting the best markets that align with your investment goals. It's a mistake when investors focus solely on the property and pay no attention or regard to the market or the neighborhood that it's in. You see, the property cannot be moved. It's rooted within a neighborhood and within a market. So if you have problems within an area or declining population, uh, declining job growth, all that kind of stuff, it will ultimately affect your property, your rents, your tenants, the longevity. So the best approach, again, is to first choose your city or your town, whatever that market may be. Consider the health of that housing market, its local economy, such as unemployment, population growth, the job growth. And from there, you can narrow things down to the best neighborhoods, and then finally, picking properties within that neighborhood. So considering all these things is very important. So today, I want to just talk about these things in a little more detail. You see, successful real estate investing relies on several factors, but the old adage is location, location, location. And for many people, that's usually at the top of the list. But location, as you know, is a broad term, and evaluating the right place to invest your dollars is really a matter of identifying the right markets in both the macro and the micro sense. So some cities simply provide better opportunities than others based on factors like the relative cost of housing to the average income, the availability of good jobs, and demographic trends. But within each metro area, there are many local real estate markets, just like Atlanta or Dallas or uh, Houston. They're made up of smaller micro markets or uh, suburbs. And so it's like one city after another after another. And at that level, factors like the quality of schools and neighborhood safety and access to amenities like parks, shopping and entertainment and a whole host of other variables come into play. So choosing the right markets for your investing needs involves several considerations, some of which go beyond just the property and the neighborhood itself. So here are some guidelines to help you ask the right questions as you determine where to invest. You want to start with your goals. Are you investing for the long term or trying to achieve a shorter term boost in value? Various markets throughout the country will produce more consistent cash flow per dollar invested, but the properties may not appreciate much. And some of the markets that come to mind will be Memphis, um, markets within Alabama, uh, some of the areas within the Midwest, but other regions will exhibit strong trends for appreciation and value, but may not cash flow well due to the high cost of properties relative to rental rates. This is uh, what you know as the rent-to-value ratio, which I've covered in multiple episodes of this podcast. You see, investing for cash flow tends to be somewhat more reliable and predictable, while investing for appreciation tends to be more speculative in nature. Where you are at in your retirement savings path and how your retirement plan fits into your overall wealth portfolio, as well as things like risk tolerance and the amount of available capital you have, will all shape this decision. So consider this when you're thinking about markets and, and investing in real estate. 
Following that, you got to ask yourself the question of whether you should invest locally or in out-of-state or remote markets. You see, many investors want to be able to see their investments or rely on their expertise and their local market to manage properties. This is great if your market and your investment goals match up, but that is not always the case. In fact, most of the time, it's not the case. If you live in a high-cost city like San Francisco or Washington, D.C., the real estate market can produce some positive opportunities, but only if you have significant capital to work with. One option is to participate in a partnership with multiple investors to acquire these properties. This is essentially a syndication, but that comes with its own set of challenges. In many cases, it may be better to evaluate other markets that fit your goals more cleanly. If you do choose to look beyond your local market, it can be helpful to consider cities where you have connections or maybe you've lived there in the past, but you know that shouldn't be your deciding factor. In fact, that really shouldn't drive your decision. An economic analysis of a market is much, much more important than feel-good reasons like my cousin Joe or John lives there or I could keep an eye on things. You know, that just doesn't make sense to be able to drive by a property if it's not really producing a rate of return and cash flow for you. Next, you want to take a top-down analysis. When evaluating a city or a region to invest in, start at the big picture level to determine the right geography for your needs and then you drill down into the neighborhood level. When looking at a metro region, there are a wealth of statistics available to you to help you determine the viability of a market. So here's just a quick breakdown of the types of data or the categories that you can look at. And they're really two broad categories. One is the economic factors and the other is the real estate factors. So when it comes to economic factors, you could look at how many people live in that market. Is the market or the area large enough to provide a diverse rental population? Obviously, you don't want to be in a small town where there's a very small rental pool. Second, is the population expanding or contracting? And, and this is an important factor because cities experience growth. And you know growth is a good thing, but a declining population is generally a sign of economic decline and may bode very poorly for your investment prospects. So... If the population is um, stagnant, meaning it's not growing or contracting, that's fine because you'll still have that same rental pool and it'll be fairly consistent. If it's expanding, that will push demand and that will drive prices up both in rentals, in sales, uh, and, and likely increase the size of the rental pool. And ultimately that can and will push rental prices up. Is the economy diverse? You know, a one company or one industry market can take a big hit if that one employer base goes through difficult times. But a city with multiple economic drivers will be far more stable and more likely to grow. So the more diverse the economy is, the more economic sectors there are, the better off you'll be. And that just leads into more stability for that market. Are wages rising? falling or stagnant. Again, this is just another trend that you could look at and follow and all this stuff could be searched online. Um, if you see wages rising in a market, that's usually a good sign. It just means demand is high for employment. So employers are looking for uh, more talent. And in order to get that, they have to sometimes increase uh, their wage or the salary that they pay in order to attract the, the right types of people or enough people for that matter. I remember uh, through a recent boom, uh, one particular city 
the McDonald's was advertising um, a starting salary of 15 to $18. This was McDonald's. And that's because there just wasn't enough people to, to, to be hired. Everybody was hiring. So, um, you know, that's something to look at. And then uh, lastly is what is the unemployment rate? Is, is it high? Is it low? Is it trending up? Is it trending down? You know, this ties into everything we just discussed as far as wages rising or falling. And, you know, whether the population is expanding or contracting, if uh, population is growing, then you'll see the uh, uh, unemployment rate drop. Now, let's uh, consider some real estate factors. Once you find a market or a couple of markets that look positive at the economic level, it makes sense to start looking at the general housing market in that area. Some of the questions to ask here include, what is the ratio of owner-occupied homes to rental properties? Areas with a higher percentage of renters will obviously create a bigger pool for you to choose from and more demand for quality rental units. Uh, now, you don't want to be on extremes here, but often you're going to see the ratio of owner-occupied homes to rental properties anywhere in the 40 to 60 to 70% range. If you are in neighborhoods that have um, owner-occupied homes that are above 70%, you're, you're in a premium area, and the higher that number is, the more the more of a premium area that, that that neighborhood is. Now, keep in mind that when you get into areas like that, you're going to find property values are uh, much higher than than the average or median home uh, value for, for that market. So, and that just makes sense. You know, the more expensive a home is, the less likely it's going to be a rental property or tenant occupied. Uh, you want to look at the rent to value ratios. A general rule of thumb is that the monthly rents should be at least 1% of the property value. Uh, again, it's a general rule of thumb, but if you buy a property for, let's say, 250000 and it only rents for $1,800 a month, the likelihood that you will see positive cash flow is pretty slim, and you will be banking on appreciation at that point, and that's not something I recommend you do anyway. Uh, you want to look at vacancy rates and the time on market. A property purchased at a bargain rate does you really no good if you can't find a renter for it. So evaluating trends in the number of vacant properties and the average time to fill a vacant rental can be critical. And your property manager or the property managers in a market can provide you this type of information. Um, there are websites that will also give you um, uh, vacancy rate information for neighborhoods. But I think the uh, most timely and local information will be from boots on the ground and that will be property managers in a particular area housing sta sales statistics even if you are looking at a long-term buy and hold the ability to sell a property and receive a reasonable price is critical to your exit strategy now i know most of you are not looking to flip property or or sell a property in the short term you, you're probably looking at a very long-term horizon and possibly holding property uh, forever within your estate. But, you know, you could look at trends uh, by looking at the month's supply of inventory and um, the time on the market and the asking versus sales price. Uh, if you see a lot of supply, uh, then, you know, the turnover is slow. But if you see a, a small level of supply, like four months or less of inventory, uh, that's a brisk market. That would be a seller's market. And so the turnover is, is fairly quick. But this stuff doesn't really make a lot of difference to you in the short run because odds are if you do sell the property 
it'll be years down the road and those things can change because nothing is ever static or in equilibrium when it comes to real estate. So once you have used uh, these above metrics that I've just talked about to identify a possible market at the regional or even the city level, you can then zoom in and focus on the local and neighborhood level uh, criteria that fit your investment goals. So uh, there's two more categories here that I want to talk about uh, briefly. One are regulatory factors. Some markets are more fun friendly to real estate investors than others. If you take two individual properties with similar dynamics such as cost, condition, rental potential, you can see very different results based on things like taxes and whether the landlord-tenant laws are more or less favorable. So it really pays to understand things such as the property taxes in the various markets. Some states are very high and some counties are very high. Some are very low. Um, now, this is just one line item. It's just one piece of the puzzle. So keep in mind that it's not the only factor you should be looking at, but it's something to consider. You want to look at property insurance rates for the area, especially if you're in a high wind or potential flood zone. Um, municipal landlord taxes. This is not common, but uh, something to consider. And uh, most importantly, I think, are the local landlord and tenant laws because you want to know how easy is it to evict a tenant should you have to or should your property manager have to um, if, if need be. And so where you want to be are in markets that are landlord friendly, not tenant friendly. You want, you want everything, the laws stacked in your favor. And then local market factors um, is kind of that last category here. Uh, you'll want to reevaluate most of the above, um, these real estate factors I just talked about, at a, more, at a more local level. You want to look at things like neighborhood safety, uh, the quality of schools. That's not always important, especially on the lower end, you know, B, B minus neighborhood type properties. You will rarely find, um, you know, great school districts. They'll be good, but they won't be great. So, um, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, just so you're not trying to chase after, you know, a uh, a a property that is below a hundred thousand dollars, let's say, with stellar school districts. That that is not that common. Uh, you'll want to look at things like access to transportation, proximity to shopping and recreation, and other factors that drive that desirability. Investing in real estate is not really that different than any other type of investment. You want to identify opportunities and ones that present the maximum potential with the least amount of risk. So understanding a real estate market is a lot like evaluating a particular industry sector when it comes to investing in, let's say, stocks or equities. You wouldn't just decide to invest in Nike because you lived in Portland or Coca-Cola because you lived in Atlanta. You would evaluate how the company stock is likely to perform based on many factors related to the industry, competition, regulation, and the like. So if you apply this same kind of analytical reasoning to the real estate markets, you're far more likely to find properties and opportunities that produce success in your investment plan. And that leads to both a short and long-term success. So keep that in mind. And, you know, we're happy to discuss these things with you on a one-on-one -on -one basis if uh, this is the kind of stuff that you're stuck on or you're considering. Or if you're actively looking for a market, you know, definitely, uh, uh, speak to one of our investment counselors. We can help you um, get through the maze and, and identify the right markets that make the most sense for you. 
Okay, I want to wrap up with a listener question. Um, I got this actually today, and uh, the lady's name is Hope, and she writes in, Hello, I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I am very interested in buying property with you in in the future, but currently wanted some advice on property I have now in Chicago. I own a two-bedroom, two-bath in the downtown financial district in which I currently reside and was renting out the other bedroom. I'm currently looking for a new tenant, but I'm also realizing that the property is not as good for investment as I had anticipated. I recently refinanced to a 15-year at 2.7%, have about $70,000 in equity sitting, but have $437 in HOA fees, Homeowner Association. I am I am only looking at being able to rent the place out for $2,500 a month with parking, but my mortgage alone is now $2,700, leaving me at a negative of about $700 a month. Okay, that's crazy. The building as well has increased its fees to $500 per move in and out. I'm not sure what that $500 is for, but she concludes by saying, I'm thinking I need to just get out of this building altogether and take the equity I have to invest elsewhere. I'd love to hear your opinion. Well, Hope, thank you for your question. Interesting situation. Um, what you didn't tell me that I could probably guess is the market value of the unit uh, condo that you're in. Um, if you're only to g- able to get $2,500 a month on a unit like that, um, I am guessing that you probably have... Uh, a unit that's probably in the four to six hundred thousand dollar range. I'm just not sure where in Chicago you are. But the bottom line is this: you don't have an investment here. What you, what you have is a liability. It's taking seven hundred dollars a month out of your pocket, and essentially what you're doing by renting out your second bedroom is you're subsidizing your monthly mortgage payment, your mon- monthly living costs. So that's all well and fine, but unless you could actually move out of that property and continue to keep it and rent it out to someone else and generate a positive cash flow, it's actually not a a rental property or an investment property. And I really don't like HOA fees. In fact, I don't like um, home, homeowner associations at all. Um, in very rare exceptions will I actually... Uh, like to have an HOA. I'll call that a light HOA where they're really just in charge of um, the roadways and 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 uh, the perimeter of the property, not so much the property itself. So paying you know four hundred to five hundred dollars a month in HOA fees is is very expensive. It's kind of like what we have here in Southern California with our condos. And you have no control over that. It could go up year after year, and it probably will. And if you miss a payment, they're going to be after you. And if you uh, default after a certain period of time, they can literally foreclose on your condo and take take it take it over. So um, <clears throat> my suggestion, and I'm not really don't I don't really want to tell you what to do. I just want to give you food for thought. But you know, this is a pretty large financial obligation. What you could do is if you can find an affordable place to live, you're probably better off renting in the market you're in than actually buying because it'll make more sense. You'll you'll get more, more home for the dollar renting in an expensive market than you will be buying in an, in an expensive market. So what you might want to look into and consider is selling this property, 
investing the equity you have and finding yourself um, a, a nice rental to live in that is comparable that will cost you less on a monthly basis. So something that is more affordable. And what you can do is you can take that equity, whether it's 70000 plus or minus, and invest it in income-producing rental properties that will generate two, three hundred, maybe $400 a month in positive cash flow for you that will not only help you pay the rent of where you're living, uh, the new place, of course, but uh, but you could also save up that rental income to put towards the purchase of more rental property. So however you want to do that is entirely up to you. But ultimately, you should be able to cut your living expenses, reduce your monthly rent um, compared to what you're paying in this condo, and generate yourself some some rates of return and some income from rental properties. So you're probably in a very good situation to do that. And what I would suggest is you have a conversation with uh, our investment counselors and possibly your CPA, uh, or if you have a financial advisor, you know, just take some of that um, advice lightly. But uh, but think about this strategically and look at it where you look at it as far as what you could do and where you could be in three years, five years, ten years from now if you take this alternate path. Um, anyway, I'll leave it at that. You know, I don't have enough information to get into any more detail with you, but from what you've given me, it looks like you have a very good uh, starting point to uh, leverage that equity into income-producing real estate and and keep your living costs the same or lower um, by finding what you you know makes sense for you in your market. Anyway, hope I hope that helps. And uh, that's it for now. So thanks for um, being a listener. Um, we will be back next week with another episode and uh, have yourself a great week. Thank you. Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income-producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.